Hi, this is Sharon Small, and I'm with Simon Coles today, the founder of AmphoraResearch.com. Amphora specializes in keeping people and research connected through digital records for research and R&D groups. Simon, it's great to have you with me this morning. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So what you do sounds really interesting, and I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about Amphora and uh, how it serves your clients. So we um, uh, we originally started out working in the sort of knowledge management field um, about 20 years ago and were asked to develop an electronic lab notebook um, back in the days when scientists were still using paper lab notebooks and writing everything out and then later on uh, cutting and sticking, you know, printing out and sticking into paper lab notebooks. And we've kind of just remained in that niche really. Um, it's, you know, we're a, a fairly small company with a fairly large international presence, um, solving one particular fairly hard to solve problem for companies all around the world. So um, we've got a variety of customers, you know, big chemicals companies, bigger pharma companies, but then an awful lot of biotechs. And probably, luckily for us, about 95% of our business is outside of the UK, um, probably about half in North America, half in Northern Europe. So yeah, that's what we do. Super. And you are in the UK, is that right? Yep. So uh, our headquarters is in the UK, and then we've got a variety of uh, sort of satellite offices and operations as well. Great. And whereabouts in the UK are you? Uh, so we're about uh, half an hour away from Heathrow, up the M4. So yeah, the closest big town is Reading. Great. Hey, and so I understand you use um, clean language in yep. your work, and I'm wondering if you'd be... Um, if you could share how you're using clean. Um, so we, we, this is a really interesting question we're kind of struggling with right now. Um, so we have been doing clean for, or I've been doing clean for over 20 years now. And it probably in the last five, six years, we've, we've had it as a very formal part of the culture. So you come into the company, you are trained somewhere or another in clean and you have exposure to clean in your, in your interview and all that sort of thing. Um, but we don't wander around asking each other clean language questions every single sentence, you know. Um, that's, yeah, that would be. We call that bit, annoying. Yeah, it'd be a little bit crazy. <laughs> um, and, but I, I think our way of relating to each other and to the world is informed by the insights you get from doing clean for a while, you know, being curious about things you know, uh, realizing that your experience is not the same as anybody else's experience, et cetera, et cetera. And then we will use clean and clean tools in very, it, it, when needed. So, um, you know, it, it would be very, very common here, for example, if, if, you know, you're having your morning coffee or something and someone, you know, how was your day? Well, how was your evening? Really rubbish. Oh, what kind of rubbish? You know, that would be a very natural thing to do is to use a cleaner question rather than a dirty question in everyday conversation. Um, and then we might be more formal. We might use something like um, Caitlin's, Caitlin Walker's clean setup um, if we're about to go and do a meeting together. So uh, tomorrow I'm going up to Cambridge with three of my, two of my colleagues to, uh, uh, to do a meeting with a potential customer. We will do a clean setup between us in the car on the way up there. And then we'll also use clean in the sales process as well. Um, you know, we won't flag it in terms of what we're doing, um, you know, in the engagement or something like that. But if they say, you know, 
uh, we'd like a unicorn. It's like, okay, well, you know, where, where do you think that unicorn might come from? You know, or something like that, just as a way of shining and training their attention on uh, different aspects of their problem. So um, when they're exposed to clean in the interview process, even like during hiring or uh, what kind of exposure is that? So I guess we do it for two reasons, uh, three reasons. One is, you know, it's generally a really useful tool to use to get an understanding of um, the individual that might be in front of you. So we will pepper clean throughout the interview, but in the second interview, we'll specifically use clean. We have an exercise uh, which I'll discuss in a second. But so one is, it's just a, of course, we would use clean where appropriate in the interview. Uh, but also we want to see whether or not the person is amenable to using clean. And particularly, you know, you get into certain professions there, their use of language is um, often proudly manipulative, should we say, you know, if you, you know, even the whole concept of closing in sales and the sort of closing techniques and all that sort of thing, that's so, so against clean that, you know, um, and also we want to introduce clean to them very early on so that, um, you know, if we do um, hire them, um, they know what they're getting into, you know, and we can always remind them and say, well, look, you know, we, I know you, you may not like the level of uh, uh, introspection that we require um, as part of being in this thing, but we did warn you in the interview and you did do it. Um, and so actually the, the second interview question that we would do is, they would work with me for five to 10 minutes and I would just explain to them the basics of clean. And then they would interview using those questions. One of our colleagues, um, probably starting out with M4 is like what? And that would then, you know, we learn whether or not the person can learn from me. We learn whether or not they are happy to use it in questions. And they also get an insightful experience in terms of what the company is like internally. Great. And so you mentioned introspection. Yeah. And um, how is how is clean related to a different level of introspection in Amphora than perhaps in other companies? So I I as I lose my hair and get maybe get a little bit more experience of the human condition, <laughs> um, there are a lot of people in the world who don't want to think. Um and and find um, going into a going into a matter in some depth quite challenging. Um, and I'm you know those of us that have worked in large corporates, I'm sure we've all got an experience of um, you know the person who shouts loudest at meetings is the one whose voice gets heard, or, or you know you're playing games in meetings to try and make sure that you get maneuver your uh, your perspective to the front, and therefore you win and you, your star rises and that sort of thing, and um, I view that as a very destructive thing. You know, if, if you look at it from a from a corporate perspective, you know, we, um, for example, if you look at lean manufacturing or something like that, there's the concept of waste activity that has no benefit to the customer, and those kinds of interactions are just pure waste. And if we can avoid having them in our company, that has a direct bottom line benefit. So yeah, you don't get away with. Um, snap opinions expressed forcefully um you know that and that very often happens in the technical domain it'll also happen in the sales domain um i've, I've been through a little journey of, of looking at our accounting process um and i think in all of these any specialist domain you, you have specialists who um don't expect to be thoughtful when question and you know it's it's a 
phrase that journalists throw around about the pace of change and all that sort of thing. But it is true, you know, that, that things are changing. And you do have to go back and look at some fairly fundamental stuff. Clean is something that helps us do that. But I'm not going to give, I can't guess at percentages, but it's very, very hard for us to find people who are up for that kind of um, introspection and thoughtfulness. And being questioned with clean questions to learn more. Oh, and even question each other, you know? Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And the fascinating thing about clean is it allows anybody to um, helpfully inquire into a domain, even if they've got no particular expertise about it. And again, if you're the kind of person who wears your, you know, 20 years of experience on your, you know, as a badge of honor, um, you know, having somebody who's, you know, say you're a salesperson and one of the techies is asking you some questions um, just very politely and very by the by about, you know, well, what kind of customer is that? And, you know, when you say that they're certain to uh, certain to buy, where does that come from? You know, Um, it's hard to find people who can do that. But when you do find people and, you know, I think we have shrunk over the years and our profitability has gone up as we've used more clean because we've got, um, you know, we can do more process improvements rapidly, more rapidly. And we don't spend um, very much time at all doing unhelp unhelpful communication patch, shall we say. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know what your rating of your, uh, your podcast is in terms of uh, 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 language, but yeah, you know what I mean. It's, <laughs> there's a lot of nonsense that goes on. Well, we, we may be with clean language, but um, cussing actually is, is okay, <laughs> as long as it's authentic. <laughs> um, so, so you said that um, then after the interview, when people come and they begin working with you, um, how, how do you help them become more familiar with clean language? What kind of steps does your company take? to help that happen? So, and, and this is, there's another side to our relationship with clean language that we can talk about later on if that's of interest. But, um, you know, we, we've gone off and, and we mainly uh, work with um, Caitlin Walker and Marion um, at Clean Learning and and Training Attention. Um, the, and, and a number of us have had formal courses with them either because Caitlin's come in um, and she's, she's come in, I think four or five times just on half days, just, just for a bit of fun. Um, and we've also gone and done the, the more formal symbolic modeling and systemic modeling training. Um, but that's, those courses are for people who found clean interesting and want to take it further. Uh, the everyday stuff, um, the way we are currently doing it, and I think we would like to improve it, but currently we are literally just sticking them in the room with a bunch of people who already have clean language training. And because we flagged it up front, it generally goes in by osmosis. Um, I think of um, uh, cultural immersion in a way. Yeah. Um, now, that's, I, I would like to be able to do better on that. Um, it's got a couple of problems for us. Um, one is when we have part-time people, um, you know, the emotion, just the, uh, we, we have quite a lot of part-time people. It's an excellent uh, resource of, you know, underappreciated 
excellent people from my perspective, um, you know, especially mums who need to work school hours. But when you do that, in terms of the cultural immersion, what you find is that there's very few times when everyone's in the office at all at the same time. And that um, osmosis aspect is, is, is a little bit of a challenge under those circumstances. So we're looking to see if we can bring some of it um, into maybe videos people can watch or exercises they can do or something like that, um, just to try and get the basics. Okay. Uh, but we'll see, you know. And, and you mentioned that it's been really useful in your sales process. And this is a question that people have asked me. Um, how do you use clean language in sales? And okay. you've been doing this for a long time. So yeah. any super tips or. Uh, so, so I wrote, um, I wrote a, a one sales meeting up in great detail. Um, on, a, on one of my blogs that I can share if that's of interest um, uh, because it was one of the more complicated meetings that we were doing, but just generally, um, you know, a clean question is better than a dirty question. Um, what would you like to have happen next is a great way of closing a meeting and finding out what they want to do. Um, when we start a sales meeting, generally I will start with, you know, what, what caused you to make time for me? Mm-hmm. Um, I think James, in, there's a video around that again, I can share a link to James interviewed me on, on what I do in a, came out with a metaphor of, of what I do in a meeting, which is very specific to our circumstances. Um, but I think just generally, you know, in terms of tactically, a, a clean question is better than a dirty question. It works very, very well. But then there is also a, another level above that in terms of, just as there is with a lot of clean, you know, once you've done clean for a while, you kind of have this aha moment and realize that um, you didn't know much as much about the world as you thought you did. And you better check every single assumption you do with a very gentle, clean question, you know, and it's very similar with sales. Um, you kind of realize that uh, as a salesperson, you can't um, f- force anybody to buy anything. Um, certainly in our world, you know, we're doing B2B sales, we're doing complex sales. Our job is to help the, organization, the potential customer come to the conclusion that what we've got is going to suit their needs. And probably a fair amount of our time is going to be helping them figure out what and agree between themselves what their needs are. Um, so that's why, for example, if if we do have a sales meeting, like I'm going to have one tomorrow, um, you know, we know the setup. Uh, the client's been, or the potential client, our champion there has been very clear about um, what he would like to achieve and that sort of thing. But I will still say in that meeting, what caused you to make time for us and what would you like to have happen um, as my sort of first two questions in that meeting, because I need them to tell each other um, what will happen. And I'll use some clean questions during that to flesh that out um, and, you know, get them to paint a picture of what they need or what they think they're, they're doing in that meeting before I then go and demonstrate our software and talk about what we do. Um, so again, that I would view that as, you know, although it's not explicitly easy, clean questions all the time, you know, the fact that I go and find out what they think they should need and what they call things before I then open my mouth, I would view as something that's very much informed by the clean world or the clean culture. Great. So you said that you've been involved with clean for about 20 years. How did you first come across it? Um, so uh, I, I can't claim any kind of foresight. Um <laughs> I used to work for a company where we grew out of a a company called New Information Paradigms. And uh, somehow uh, the the managing director of that company met Caitlin um, when she was still doing uh, the work with the teenagers in London and asked her to come and do some some work with us. 
And um, I was one of the people involved in that. And at the time, actually, we were just beginning to grow the, the product that became Amphora. So if you read Caitlin's book, I think I'm in chapter three. And, and there's, in fact, a, a description of the metaphor that I use for the product that we currently sell. And that metaphor still stands. Um, and that's that. contempt to curiosity. Yeah, the Kent, Kate yes, yeah, yes, Caitlin's Content Curiosity book. Um, so uh, basically, you know, I was uh, just, you know, um, a worker bee, had this experience, um, but was beginning to grow this company. And um, they, nobody really taught me how to do sales. I was just a geek, you know, um, I was literally, I, I wrote some of the product and um, just happened to be able to talk to people as well. Um, and the only real tool I had um, was clean language. So I just merrily went out to the world and asked people what they, what they would like to have happen effectively. <laughs> and um, yeah, that kind of worked. We, we bought ourselves out of that company, became independent and probably, you know, it's got to be six, eight years ago or something. I had a bit of a, a crisis because I was hiring salespeople, but couldn't get them to do what I was doing. So I, dusted off the, the notes that Caitlin had given us way back then um, and started to try and give people some exposure. But it was fairly clear that I, I you know, um, I, I wasn't able to do that as well as um, um, somebody who knew that what they were doing in terms of training could do. Um, so then spent about a year trying to track down Caitlin because she'd gone off on her own path and that sort of thing, but then had Caitlin back in again, um, primarily to uh, teach the sales guys. Um, but what happened was we, um, you know, and, and Caitlin by then had, had obviously formalized it a bit more and it got a name, systemic modeling and so on. Um, but Caitlin basically said, well, you know, I need, you know, you've got a sales team of two, but I need more than that to run the five senses exercise. I need a minimum of four people. So we, uh, we got um, one of our senior techies uh, and myself and, and at the time, the two sales guys that we had. Um, in a room. And actually, yes, it was great for the sales guys, but it turned out it was also great for the techies as well. And that's caused us to deploy it, deploy clean more widely. Um, and that's where we are. So it, more a meandering set of coincidences, I would say. Um, but interestingly, I, given my very early exposure to clean, you know, people have told me subsequently, they've come in and you know, looked at the organization, looked at the products, they can see the, how clean and the, uh, the attitudes that get drummed into you if you use clean, you know, widely in your life sort of thing, have, have spread into the product and the way we deal with our customers and the way we deal with purchasing and so on. Um, so again, you know, just to go back to those that want to know how to, how to use clean in sales, and I'm not sure there's any magic to using clean in sales, it's just using clean questions, but uh, it completely disables purchasing people. Um, you know, those of you that have dealt with large, uh, um, large companies, purchasing departments, it'll, it is all bluff and bluster. And, you know, what kind of, is there anything else about uh, where did your demand for a 3%, you know, price cut come from, you know, that uh, they are all very useful and intriguing questions. Um, and generally very gently um, bring the, uh, bring what could be quite a difficult discussion to a close. So I've, I've got to ask you the million dollar question, Simon, because mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have had exposure to clean, but 
what I've discovered is somehow it makes a lot of sense to some people and to others, it sounds like a good idea. So what was it about clean when you were first exposed to it that really attracted you to this way of working or um, it could say inspired or? Oh, I don't know. That's a very interesting question. Um, you know, and I know um, we don't have two hours of this podcast, but that would be a very interesting question to be uh, clean questioned about, but I'll give it a go. Um, the, I, th- I it, it appeals to me and is very powerful, I think, to walk lightly through the world and your other your interactions with other people and what clean allows me to do is to uh get the most out of the other person's experience in the world um and you know then i can make a choice about whether or not i wish to um uh, you know, react to that or not. Um, and, and so, you know, just a, maybe a couple of examples, you know, if I've, uh, my, my two boys, um, when they were younger, they're only two and a half years apart. And as they quite often do, um, you know, there'll, there'll be some sort of fight and you'll get a little delegation going, he kicked me. And why did he kick you? Well, he, you know, he trod on me. Um, and, you know, it sounds a really trivial thing, but you can either get, um, quite exasperated about trying to um, uh, deal with that delegation of of two uh, very cross, you know, small children, or you can basically go and, you know, uh, and what happened just before he trod on you, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, and and, and, and all you're doing there is you're just very gently trying to find out, you know, exactly what was the configuration of human bodies that didn't make sense um, and and caused for this fight stuff. But the point is what you're doing there is with, with, any other interaction, like you're, you're talking to a, a colleague about something or that sort of thing, you're, you're, you're finding out what their experience is first before in, a, in, a, in as much of an authentic way as possible without you contaminating it with yours before you then decide what you're going to do about it in one way or another. Um, and that works for me in sales. It works for me when talking with my, my sort of programming colleagues um, always around. That for me is just a... In fact, this is it. It's 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 going with the flow. So so much of our unconscious ways of co- communicating with each other and that sort of thing are about individuals standing up and 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 being somehow very strong. You know, this is what I believe. This is what should happen, and all that sort of thing. But I believe that there is a, you know, we're we're all in some kind of river or whatever metaphor you want, and it's flowing in a certain direction. And you can have an easier life and have much more impact if you just find out where the flow is naturally going first before you then uh, decide to take action in whatever way. Um, did I answer your question? Yes. It was a hard question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I called it the million dollar question because people often ask, well, um, how did you discover clean or uh, what do we need to do to find people? Like just what you're doing, finding people for your company that it makes sense to. And uh, 
So that was from my curiosity, trying to help discover what are the kind of pre-patterns of thinking that are already happening in people, that when they come across clean, they go, oh, this, this is good. Yeah. We, we would look for curiosity, especially in the interviews. Yeah, that would be if you are curious. And so we do a bunch of things that might be a little bit weird if you're looking at it from the outside. But for example, I, you know, I, I like the fact that we have discussions inside the, in, in the office, which are nothing to do with work, you know, politics, cooking, whatever, because I view that as practice. I can, if I can look at that discussion and it's balanced and people are having thoughtful responses to each other, you know, treating each other with respect and curiosity, then that's going to happen in, in day-to-day work conversations. So that's one very clear diagnostic that I see. And, and there have been people where I haven't seen that curiosity and, you know, uh, through a, a whole variety of natural processes, they're no longer here. And you can look back and go, okay, well, that was a very early warning sign. And you can pick that again up in the interviews. You know, right now we are, we live in interesting times. I think on both sides of the, uh, the Atlantic, in fact, probably everywhere, we've got very, very divisive politics. Certainly in my case, I'm very happy to ask about Brexit in the, in the interview because then I, 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 get, I get a very quick view about is this person curious about what I'm saying or are they offended that I brought it up or are they just going to roll out a spiel? Because if they do that in that context, they'll do that in the work context. And you know, my business is all about having knowledge workers work well together. Yes. And a, and a key part of that is going to be that curiosity and so on. That, that was really interesting. I'm, I'm glad that we got to the point where you were able to share that about non-work topics at work and balanced conversations as yeah. indicators. Diagnostic. Thank you. So we did another diagnostic, if, you, if that's helpful. Um, we, for a variety of reasons, we thought it would be a good idea if we got a decent kitchen in our workplace, which we primarily did because you know, actually it's not that a big an expense. Um, you know, it turns out building the best kitchen you've ever seen in an office is actually really cheap to do because it's a, you know, just a flat box and they can just put the units in really quickly. Everyone's happy. And so we did that primarily for our own convenience and for sort of, you know, healthy eating reasons and that sort of thing. But actually, again, the dynamics there, um, is hugely insightful. If you can cook with somebody that generally means you can work with somebody. Um, and particularly we all cook, you know, we all go home and we all cook in our own homes with our own stuff. And you end up really in a, in a fairly close, a fairly constrained set of cooking techniques and, and that sort of thing. But of course, when we cook here, you know, we're all interacting with each other and we've all got different family histories and, you know, my mum made scrambled egg one way and somebody else's mum made a scrambled egg another way and all that sort of thing. And again, how those, those discussions happen and reactions happen is absolutely fascinating. And even just something as simple as scrambled egg, there's like a zillion ways of making it. And some people put all sorts of strange stuff in it. And people's reaction to somebody else doing a very personal dish, you know, you might've been making that with your mum since you were knee high. Their reaction to somebody else doing it differently is fascinating. And again, that would, that will be played out in the office. So yeah, clean language and, and kitchens. That's my recipe for profitability. Yeah. Yeah, I, when 
a kind of a more technical term might be kind of how people manage cross-domain thinking because how they're handling it in the kitchen, how they're handling a discussion of politics reflects how they'll manage other aspects. Yeah. The thing I find really interesting about both politics and cooking is it's very personal. Yes. You know, if I'm, if I'm a sales guy and I'm coming from a technical aspect, I don't really have a personal investment in it. Um, you know, I might have, I might be holding some judgment about other disciplines, but it's the emotional attachment that is often very interesting for us. And, and we've all been in situations where, you know, inside a company, you might be talking about something which is very inconsequential in the end, but people get extremely het up about it. Uh, you know you know, from techie point of view, you know, what web framework you use or, or what editor you use are huge issues. We're coming towards the end of our time together. And I'm wondering if there's any question that you would like to have been asked uh, about clean language in your work. And if so, what's the answer? (laughs) So the, uh, the, the one question would be, what, are there any negative aspects to using clean at work? And yes, is, is the answer. Um, you know, there's just trivial little things like uh, being phoned up by cold callers is incredibly irritating because they just read their patter and don't ask you any questions before they launch into whatever they're about to say. And you know, the, the consultants, for example, drive you crazy because they, they again, never ask any questions. They just, they're just basically forcing their own models onto you. Um, and we've, we have historically, you know, we have had some consultants in for a variety of reasons and they've driven us absolutely crazy. And we've had to terminate those engagements because they just weren't very good compared to what we could do in-house with some focused questions. But I think the other thing that we, we have found is you know, if you give somebody, an individual, the gift of clean, they take that home or they could take that home. And initially what was happening is we, we give them a clean experience. They think it was lovely, go home and, and clean question their partner very badly at eight o'clock at night. And their partner would never want to be clean questioned again. So, you know, now we say, don't go home and try this. Practice at work for a few months and then take it, take it away with you. But we have now... We do make our internal training available to, you know, partners, friends, family, and that sort of thing. Uh, Because I think it is, if you're going to do clean right, if you're going to absorb the lessons of uh, the clean might make available to you, it's not just constrained to the work world. It will tend to go out and we would, you know, it's the right thing to do is to support that. So it sounds like the uh, downfall is that you begin to notice the, patterns from other people yeah aren't very productive let's say Uh, yeah 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 and it's i mean the good news is i mean it's frustrating to look at but the good news is that it's a tremendous competitive advantage for us yes you know um, i i call it the bane of becoming a better modeler yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and and then you learn tolerance (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um, so is there, is there anything else that you'd like the listeners of this podcast to know about clean and the difference it might make for them? So we're becoming very interested in 
how a little bit of clean can make a big difference. And I think it's, it's true. You know, one, one clean question in a day is better than no clean questions. And, and you only have to write, ask one or two questions in a day to make a massive difference to your life and everyone else's life. And I would, I would like to see, you know, that's my personal interest right now is I'd like to see more clean out used a little bit every day. We are potentially living in dark times. <laughs> you know, we cannot change the, uh, the course of history, uh, but you can change the things around you. And um, cleans are really, it's an incredible tool to help you do that very easily. And what would be three clean questions that our listeners could take away with them? today three clean questions uh, well i mean you know then you're into what, what's a clean question if, if i'm going to have a meeting with somebody uh what caused you to make time for me would always be my opening thing and i would view that as clean because i know they've made time for me um i again i would tend to finish meetings with what would you like to have happen uh, next. And I think what kind of, you know, what kind of is always a fun question to ask about anything. Yeah. I like yeah. that question too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, super. Well, um, thank you for your time today, Simon, to, to do this. And for um, those who are listening again, this is Simon calls with amphoraresearch.com. They specialize in connecting people and research through research and R&D groups. You've been listening to Ready to Come Clean with Sharon Small, sponsored by the Clean Language Institute, www.cleanlanguagetraining.com, where we teach clean language and clean language interviewing skills to individuals and companies across the globe.